seat if you'd like. My name is Matthew, one of the pastors here at Faith Family. We'd like to welcome you if you're a guest with us. Uh, welcome. There should be a card in front of you that uh, says connection card on it. Looks kind of like this thing. 
Uh, on the pew in front of you, we'd love to have a record of your visit with us. If you would just fill that out, drop that in the basket on your way out this morning. Uh, also, you can flip it on the other side if there is a, a request for prayer that you need that we can be praying for you about. Uh, please feel free to write that on there, to note that and drop that in. So the psalmist David says in Psalm 51, he says, I have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. So David, in the face of his sin, as God's word came to him, unveiled the reality of what he was doing and what he had done. He was brought to this place of desperation, calling upon God to have mercy on him, to blot out his iniquity, to wash him white from his sin. That is my prayer this morning, that that is our hearts, that if you're a believer in Christ, God's word would call you to repentance, to renewed faith, if that's where you're at. That as David, you would cry out with the same, the same cry that, God, would you blot out my iniquity? Would you wash me thoroughly from my transgressions? If you do not know him, it is my hope, it is our hope this morning that today is the day of salvation. You would hear of him. You would hear of his abundant love for you, that he came. The Son of God came and took flesh, dwelt among us, lived just like you and me, yet without sin. And he gave his life while we were enemies. Christ died for us. He died for us in our sins that we would be forgiven. That is what he has done for you. And so my hope this morning, you as David cried out to God that his word would come to you. You would hear of his love for you and cry out to him. To trust in Christ. That is why we gather each week. That is why we still gather on Sunday mornings uh, amid all this, this COVID uh, renewal and why we are still here uh, each Sunday is because of Christ. Because he has done something. He is doing something. He has gathered his people. And so we still are gathering together. And so I want to encourage you to pray. We're going to pray here in a minute that there are, there are a lot of our people here. There are a lot of people we know. There are a lot of people I know, some who are, who are on a ventilator, who are not looking very promising. And so we need to be praying for these people. We need to be praying for their situations, for where they are. We need to be praying for the strengthening of their, their bodies, for their family. And I want to lead us here in a minute in prayer, but also encourage you to be praying for for some of these people that are attached to us, that are part of our preschool during the week, that are part of our local family here, or that you're attached to uh, in the community or at large abroad. Also, as we are taking a few weeks to, to pause our additional gatherings in, for Sunday school and Wednesday night, as we're, we're taking a few weeks until Labor Day to pause these things, uh, we're looking forward, Lord willing, uh, that in September we can resume meeting on Wednesday night, we can resume small group gatherings on Sunday morning, that we can resume some of the, the weekday services. So I want to encourage you to be praying towards that end. We'll talk about those more as time goes on, what those will look like uh, here in the fall. 
And so we've got some exciting things hopefully we'll be able to do together and uh, be able to gather together uh, looking forward in September. So if you would, join me in prayer. Uh, let's, let's pray for our families, for the people uh, we're connected to, and our community. Join me, please. Father God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for this time together. Lord, I ask your blessing on it. That God, as David, did not see his sin. He did not recognize what he had done, at least what Scripture tells us, that, that he was hardened, his heart was hardened against his sin. And that, Lord, you sent your word to him. That you sent by messenger that he would hear of the truth of what he has done and that you opened his heart. You revealed to him his sin. God, would you do the same for us this morning that your word by your spirit would reveal to us where we are. God, that you would call us to faith. You would call us to repentance. God, you would gift us repentance from our sin, our, our evil desires, God, the corruptions of our flesh, that God, you would draw us, Lord, to trust fully in your Son, that only in him is there mercy, only in him is there forgiveness, only in Christ do we have life. And so, God, would you lead us this morning? Lord, would you be with the people, some of our family, some of our church, Lord, who are suffering, who are sick now, who are trying to recover, or who are dealing with COVID, God, would you strengthen their bodies, strengthen their lungs, strengthen, Lord, them, that they would, they would heal from this. God, would you help them to, to continue to, to wrestle and to continue to trust, Lord, in you, to trust in your faithfulness, your nearness, Lord, through this. So, Father, would you provide for them, provide for their families, draw them to you, knowing that in every, in a very difficult time, you are a very present help, that you are near to those who are crushed in spirit, to the brokenhearted. We thank you, God, and ask all these things in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Let's stand together as we continue in worship.
believers, God, to worship your name together in community, God. Lord, I pray for Pastor Joel as he comes to bring the message. God, that you will give us ears to hear and hearts to understand. God, that you will give Pastor Joel the words that he needs to say. And Lord, that your spirit will speak through him. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In your name we pray. Amen. Y'all may be seated. And uh, Alex, if you would, uh, just join me for a second. Uh, back when we uh, called him to be our worship leader, uh, we licensed him to the gospel ministry. And we have a uh, certificate, which is actually a legal document uh, for you. Uh, but it does say Stephen. It does. It does. Stephen Alexander. So if you want to... When he's in trouble, if you hear Mama say Stephen Alexander... Uh, he's in trouble. Anyway, <laughs> we are glad that God has called you to ministry and looking forward to continued growth. And uh, Amen. All right, thank you. Um, I uh, searched. I, I remembered a, uh, a phrase in my brain uh, the other day uh, where it says, uh, release the secret weapon, but it it wasn't real clear. It, it was said kind of uh, with a speech impediment, as it were. And I don't know if any of you guys can remember. It's from a movie. I had to search it out. It's from American Tale. Flyville is the mouse that said, release the secret weapon. Do you all remember that? Some of you? Okay. Uh, what does that have to do with today? Well... I don't know if you are keeping up with what is happening around the world. Um, there is severe persecution of Christians that's going on in Afghanistan right now. Uh, Christians are being sought out and being put to death. Uh, if, uh, if one of the first things that's being asked is let me see your uh, uh, phone and if there's anything Christian on it. Uh, they are being uh, hung, they're being beheaded, they're being stoned. Uh, similar type events are happening in Nigeria and Myanmar that I'm aware of, and I don't know where else that may be going on around the world. Uh, but we have a secret weapon. And what is the secret weapon for the saints of God? It's prayer. I can't physically be there, and if I was physically there, I would probably be one of the martyred, as you would as well, uh, because we would take our stand for Christ. Uh, but what we can do is we can undergird them with prayer, and I want to encourage you to seriously uh, seek that out. Uh, some will have a little extra time because of the outbreak of COVID. Others, uh, those of you in the medical profession, want you to know we're praying for you regularly. I know you don't have any time whatsoever. Uh, and uh, those of you that are in school, uh, teachers, uh, we know that there's a lot of extra on your plate. But occasionally others get a little freed up time uh, because of this. And please use it wisely. Uh, to do it in prayer and let us, let us seek the Lord in prayer. Uh, I was going to say this at the end of the service, but lest I forget, I'll say it now. Uh, I had a reading from uh, uh, Pilgrim's Progress that I was going to read this morning. 
And uh, I looked at my notes and decided that you didn't have time for it. So I went ahead and recorded it this morning. Uh, it will be, uh, we'll show it at 6 o'clock this evening. Uh, if you'll go to the church website or Facebook or YouTube. There's a section that is there. It's not well done because I really wasn't prepared to do this. Uh, I can actually, I've got it, the text here and I can read it. It's 17.4 minutes long. Or you can re watch it at 6 o'clock tonight. How, how's that? Uh, anyway, but it, it goes along with what we're talking about here. Uh, you know, we, um, I think in some ways maybe we're missing what's happening with COVID. I really do. Um, because it is far more than just a medical issue. It's really a spiritual issue. Uh, it should be revealing to us our hearts and uh, it should be calling us as God's people to what Matthew referred to earlier of repentance um, I mean this is this is from the hand of God it's, it's not it's not a, a political thing it's not a scientific thing it really is a, a spiritual thing and uh, to look for a uh, a vaccine that's somehow going to eradicate it, uh, you know, we're being reminded by God that when things are shifting and changing that uh, we're not in control, that He is. And it ought to call us as God's people to repent of not walking with Christ. Because the message has a lot to do with uh, seeking the blessings of Christ rather than Christ Himself. And that's what we should be doing right now. We should be seeking intimacy with Christ. Uh, and uh, longing to walk with Him. You and I, the, the message is still in the subject of our union with Christ. We are men and women, boys and girls, teenagers. If we have been born again, uh, we are in Christ. Um, the, the old Puritans used to refer to the golden chain uh, which was a chain of events that take place in salvation of God's election, of his regeneration, of faith in Christ, of justification, of sanctification and ultimately glorification, the process uh, in which we are all in. But all of that is Christ. It's all of him. Uh, we, we sang about it. He's our breath. He's the breath that we breathe. Uh, he is the water that we drink. And uh, that's what this ought to be calling us to. And we ought to be sharing it with other people. Uh, my wife was sharing with some neighbors the other day about, uh, uh, about COVID and uh, about uh, uh, the call of Christ. And uh, she said, uh, immediately one of the individuals said, uh, I hear my phone ringing, I got to go. And... Uh, and that seems to be a very typical response of talking to people about Christ in these days. Uh, and yet, uh, that's what we're called to do, is to share Him and to live with Him. And as we uh, walk in Christ, we must remember that He goes with us everywhere we go. There's not a place that you and I go that Christ doesn't go with us as followers of Jesus Christ. And so we shouldn't... 
We, we shouldn't be walking the way of the world. We should be walking as true followers and true believers in Jesus Christ and distance ourselves from a, a world. So the, the message title is Old and New, part one. Uh, the text is 2 Corinthians chapter 5 beginning in verse 6 and going through verse 21. Some of this we've already looked at, we've already referenced it, but we're going to look at the whole of the text and uh, I'm going to read it. However, this morning we're only going to do just a small portion of it. We're going to have, we're going to look at four parts of this. And, uh, and there's a series of contrasts that are in this uh, section and uh, if, if you can uh, listen and think at the same time today I got one that got that <laughs> if you can listen and think at the same time you might look to see well, what are the contrasts that are are there and uh, and hope it encourages your heart second Corinthians 5 beginning in verse 6 so we are always of good courage. Let me just stop there now because I'm, I'm picking this up right in the middle of what uh, Paul is talking about. He's talking about the temporary versus the eternal. Talking about body, which is temporary, that we're going to lay aside and we're going to get a new body, a new tent. And therefore, since this is true, since this, what you and I are living right now, is not the end. Okay, since this isn't it, we are always of good courage. So take it in the context of what it's meant. So since we are always of good courage, we know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage and would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord so whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. We're not commending ourselves to you again. He's talking about as apostles. We're not trying to build ourselves up. But we're giving you cause to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, and this was a New Testament way of saying uh, if we seem to be crazy, all right? If we seem to be crazy... It is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us. Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, and therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old passed away, behold, the new has come. 
And all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave to us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us this message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. So we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let's bow together in prayer. And Lord, uh, we do know that the... uh, the great weapon of our spiritual warfare that you have given us. Though, though we are taught in Scripture that the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, is that great offensive weapon, you also in that same context told us to put each piece on with prayer. We are to pray. We're to pray for one another. We're to uh, intercede. And that is go in behalf of others when they can't go to you in prayer for themselves or if they're outside of Christ and they refuse to go to you. So Lord, we want to be a part of why you sent your son and that is to reconcile men and women and young people to yourself. And Lord, in this day in, in which we see that uh, death is real, we, we know it's real, but, but Lord, it's in our face right now. And the question of the world is, is there anything after death? And your word is so clear and, and the Lord Jesus rose from the dead to show us a living example that if a man is in Christ, though he were dead, yet shall he live again. And Lord, so we ask now for the help of your Holy Spirit to interpret for us what the scripture says And Lord, we also want to be faithful to pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world who who right this very moment are being tried and tempted and tested and in many cases being put to death for their faith. And Lord, we know that uh, the blood of your saints, Lord, is precious unto you. And so we would ask, Lord, that... uh, That we would rejoice with those who have come to know the fullness of glory. uh, Having testified to the name of Jesus. We would also pray for the protection of your people uh, as they go through trials. And we would also pray Lord that as the seed of the word of God goes out. That it would cause it to be found in hearts to produce 30 and 60 and 100 fold to the glory of Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. So uh, we're talking about being in Christ. And what does it mean to be in Christ? Uh, to be in him. To be in union with Christ. Uh, that is all that you and I once were was placed on Christ as sinners our sin was placed on Christ so that in him we might become the righteousness of God in him so our salvation is solely and completely in Christ 
And to kind of help us understand that, there are some contrasts that are in these verses of Scripture. And I want to just bring out four of them uh, this morning. And, and you may even find some that I've, I've missed, okay? Uh, I want us to look back at verse 6 and to be reminded of the first contrast that is here. And that is, we who are in Christ are no longer of this world, but we are of the world to come. The Scripture says... We do have good courage. And why? Because one day we're going to lay aside this body. Uh, We're not of this world. We live in this world. And you you will interact with this world all the days of your life upon uh, your time here. Uh, but there, there is a, a numbering of our days. There is an appointed time in which we will lay aside this body. Uh, you know, especially when you're young, and young is relative, uh, is it not? Because, again, I uh, was over visiting with my mother, who's 97 yesterday, and she's talking about how young I am. And uh, I uh, filled in for aftercare one day this week, uh, and uh, got down on the ground, and it took four people to get me back up. Uh, so it's relative. I feel my age. Uh, maybe it's not the age. Maybe it's the miles. But uh, we, we live in this world, but we're not of this world. And, and nothing in this world that you and I hold uh, treasured apart from the souls of human beings and the Word of God, none of it's going to last. It'll all perish. It'll all burn up. Uh, Uh, Yeah, global warming uh, is uh, prophesied in Scripture. Uh, This world will be burned up with fervent heat, uh, the Scripture says. And so uh, we've got to remember we're not really of this world. We know that while we're at home in the body, we're away from the Lord. There's a longing to be with Jesus. But the reality is you and I can walk with Him day in and day out. But the... The thing that we need to understand is if you are in Christ, the old has gone, the new has come. Now, uh, would you let me translate uh, verse 17 of chapter 5 instead of uh, reading uh, what the Bible uh, translation you have says? And it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he... It, uh, our Bible says he is a new creation. There's no verb in the original text. It's, it's, it's stark. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's said like this. If anyone is in Christ, a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. I mean, that's how, that's how firm it is. It, it, it's said like that intentionally for you and I to understand it now there's two different uh, there are two verbs in this text in verse 17 uh, one uh, has the oldest passed away the idea is it's it's gone but it's not you carry it along with you the tense of the text is that it's still there as long as you and I walk in this world what are we going to struggle with the old nature but when it says the new has come, it's in the tense of the scripture that says it's yours now and forevermore. 
One day when you and I lay aside this body, all the old uh, will be forgotten. Uh, our sins are remembered no more. Uh, again, people are always asking questions like, you know, when I get to heaven, am I going to be able to remember how, my failures? Well, the reality is our sins have been forgotten. They're remembered no more. And so what was old is gone and the new has come and it is going to stay. We have a new king and his name is Jesus. And we're not of this kingdom. I, I may say I have a president, but I, I, he's just a guy and he's a flawed guy. No amens? Okay, he's a flawed guy. He, he, he fails. Every government official will fail. They're not our king. I have a king that I owe my allegiance to, and his name is Jesus. And that's the old has gone, the new has come, and we're to live for Christ. And not for this kingdom, not for this world, but to live unto Christ. So there's a new kingdom. Uh, we're reminded in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 6 and verse 19. Uh, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you? Whom you have from God and you are not your own. You were bought with a price. You don't belong to yourself anymore in Christ. You, you're His. You are in Him. And you are so united with Him you cannot be separated from Christ if indeed you have been born again, regenerated by the Spirit of God and placed faith in Christ. His grace, His grace is, the word sufficient isn't adequate. His grace isn't sufficient. Sufficient to me communicates enough. It's more than enough. It's, it, it's more akin to the, uh, the Cajun word lanyap. You know what that means, right? Extra. It's enough and extra. It's been lavished. You and I have been lavished with the grace of God. You're not kept by how good you are in Christ. You are kept by Him and by His grace and by His righteousness. Uh, I know all of you probably remember the hymn uh, Bought with a Price. I had never heard it, so... Uh, I, want, I just want to read one stanza out of it. By the way, the, the man that wrote its name was Austin Miles. He was a pharmacist. He wrote this back in the 1890s. And he said, bought with a price, not of silver or gold. Bought with a price of a value yet untold. T'was the blood of Jesus shed on Calvary, purchased by redemption and set me free. You see, that's, that's who we are in Christ. We... We have had the old passed away, the new has come, and uh, there is this great contrast. We have a new king and a new lord. But secondly, in verse 7, it says we no longer walk by sight, but by faith. You see, before coming to Christ, you and I see everything by, by sight. Everything is as we perceive it to be. Now, everything isn't really as we perceive it to be. If you've lived long enough, you, you've come to learn your sight can confuse you, can it? You know, this, this uh, 
uh, you're, you're a teenager and you, you see this gal or this guy that's uh, looking at you and you're thinking in your heart, oh, they must really like me. And so your perception is they must have some kind of love attraction toward me. And what you don't realize is they're looking at the person behind you. Okay? Perception is, is not always re reality, is it? And uh, we can perceive that we are in Christ, and in reality, we may not be in Christ. These contrasts that are here are to help us to know whether or not we are indeed in Christ. For verse 7 says, we walk by faith and not by sight. And to help us with that, look at the example of Nicodemus. Now, you remember Jesus came to Nicodemus, or Nicodemus rather, came to Jesus and uh, he came by night. Uh, speculation is maybe it was the only time he could get to Jesus because of the crowd. It could have been that uh, he was afraid what others might say had they seen him as a member of the Sanhedrin, a Pharisee among the Pharisees coming to Jesus. But he comes to Jesus and he wants to know who he really is. And and. Jesus asked him this question in verse 10 in John 3. Are you the teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? Well, what were the things that he was referring to? Jesus had talked to him about the new birth, being born again, being regenerated by the Holy Spirit of God. That's what the whole text is about. Uh, he says, uh, you can't see the Spirit. He's like the wind. Uh, but what can you do? You can see the effect of the Spirit. But Nicodemus couldn't see it because he was looking with his eyes. Something had to happen for Nicodemus and apparently did happen for Nicodemus that he was born again of the Spirit of God and he saw no longer by sight but he saw by faith. That's a, that's a reality that you and I struggle with because the temptation is to always look and see what we see with our eyes. We see COVID. What do we see? We see a very dangerous disease. And it is. And uh, we look at the medical profession. As our only source of help. Or our way out. And the reality is. God may use that. To put an end uh, to this plague. But. Seeing it by faith says God's trying to teach us something. Not only is he trying to teach us something, who is he trying to teach? I don't know if you've picked up on this yet or not. He's trying to teach the whole world. He's trying to scream at the whole world. As a matter of fact, he's not trying. He is screaming at the whole world right now to remind us that we aren't in charge. God is in charge. And we need to respond to a God of grace and a God of mercy. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man uh, comes to that door, he says, I'll open it to him. There's the great invitation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Nicodemus can't see this until the Holy Spirit of God opens his understanding. You know, there are those who would say, I'd believe if only I could see. It, that's kind of the mantra of our day. I would believe in God. I would believe in Jesus Christ. I'd believe in eternity if I could only see it. Let's put it in a test tube. And let's test it out. 
Well, all of this has played out in a test tube of life, and we call it history. And it seems as if as we're trying to rewrite history, we want to rewrite all of history and say that Jesus never existed, or if he did, he wasn't who he claimed to be. He was just a good man. And, and I want to say uh, with uh, those of old who said, well, he, he wasn't a good man. He was either Lord, or he was a liar, or he was a lunatic. Because he wasn't just a good man. He was God come in the flesh to be the sin bearer, the Lamb of God, to take away the sin of the world. You might remember in Luke 16, uh, Jesus told those who were saying this very same thing. If we could see him, we would believe. Jesus said, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. And they saw him. They saw him with their eyes. Their sight said he's alive again. And yet some believed, but most did not. You see, it's not in the seeing with the eye. It's in the faith of the heart that is placed in the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the Christian life is a life of faith. Remember back in uh, Romans chapter 1 when it says, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God to salvation. What is the gospel? It's the story of our sinfulness and God coming to save us from our sin through the substitution of His Son and His resurrection from the dead. The scripture goes on in verse 17 of Romans 1 and says, For in it, that is the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. That is, it comes out of faith into faith as it is written the righteous shall live by faith the Christian life is one of faith so uh, what's the formula you know we want to know the mathematical formula that says this plus this plus this squared and whatever else we're going to do to this equation equals salvation in Christ and that's not the way it works for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That's the formula. It is coming to realize that we have this great burden of sin on our lives. It's, it's in the text about uh, uh, Pilgrim's progress as Christian came to realize that he had this, this huge boulder on his back. And uh, he, he comes upon a man that asks him the question, how did you come to realize you had, or how did you come to have this boulder on your back? And this was his answer. Oh, by reading this book. So you know what the man's response was? Get rid of the book. It reminds me of the time that I accosted my uh, uh, dentist right after the service one Sunday morning. And uh, I know you shouldn't do that. Don't ever do this. Don't, do, don't follow my example. But my tooth was hurting really, really bad. And it was this one right here. And I pushed on it. And I pushed on it. It hurt really bad. And I caught him after this. It wasn't here. Caught him after the service. And I said, uh, uh, Brother Larry, uh, when I push on this tooth, it hurts. You know what my intelligent dentist said? Quit pushing on that tooth. It's the same rationale. Now, now, reality was I, I had an abscess and he had to go in and do a root canal on it. But 
You see, Christian came to realize the burden of his sin because of the law. The law shows us our sin. And you and I want to say, well, then I will keep the law. And how, can, how do, well do we do it that? We all failed. We can't get rid of this burden of sin that is there. It is only through faith alone in Christ alone. So we become convinced, not by what we see with the eye, but what, by what we believe in our heart, by grace. Uh, it's interesting, again, at, at the end of the section that uh, I read uh, about uh, uh, Christian. Christian is taken into a room uh, where there's a, uh, a fire that is going on. There's a fireplace. And there's a man on this side of the fireplace that's in that room, and he's taking buckets of water, and he's throwing it on the fire, and he's throwing it on the fire, and he's throwing it on the fire. But you know what? The fire never goes out. And Christian is really amazed by how can this be? And so the interpreter, who's the Holy Spirit, says, let's go on the other side of the wall. And they get on the other side of the wall, and there's another man on the other side of the wall. And he's got buckets of oil. And he's pouring buckets of oil, and buckets of oil, and buckets of oil are catching fire, and they continue to burn. And he says, who is this? And he says, that is Christ. And he's continuing to pour out his grace. You see, our salvation isn't what we do to keep it. It is what Christ has done in his promise and in the covenant that he has brought us into by grace through faith in Christ. The fire still burns because of Christ. So there's a third contrast. And that is no longer... Do we seek to please ourselves, but we seek to please the Lord Jesus Christ? Verse 9 says, so whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please Him. Now, a man in Christ, a woman in Christ, has to wrestle with this. My life does not exist to please me. I was kind of interested... Uh, to see an interview uh, this week of uh, uh, Sir Nick Saban, uh, who was being interviewed about uh, one of the uh, most outstanding tight ends in America, who is supposed to go into the NFL draft at the end of the year uh, f first. I mean, you know, he's just he's just gifted. He's just you know he's got it all. He showed up late for training camp. He uh, apparently is not uh, practicing as hard as he should. And so the question was asked, is he going to start? And Nick, uh, Nick Saban's uh, response was very simple. He says, you're asking the wrong guy. He said, what do you mean you're asking the wrong guy? Aren't you the coach? Well, yeah, I'm the coach, but you need to ask him. He said, he knows what to do. He said, I don't know if you know this, but the Alabama football team is not a democracy. You know, you don't get to do whatever you want to do and be a part of the team. You must participate. And he says, I get reports regularly about all my players about how they're, how they're playing, how they're practicing, what their attitude is like, what they're saying. And it's not up to me whether or not he's going to play. It's up to 
him whether or not he's going to play. Boy, I thought, now, what if the Lord Jesus Christ were to ask, be asked that question about me? You know, what would, what would be going on in my life that says my life exists to do what? To please the one who has saved me. In 2 Corinthians 5, 9, it says, So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please the Lord. And then in Luke 14, it says, So therefore, anyone who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciples. In other words, we've got to come to the place when we realize, I don't live for me. I live for Christ. I'm the creature. He's the creator. I'm the sinner. He's the Savior. I'm the disciple. He's the master. And Paul told young Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, uh, pardon me, 2, he says, No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuit since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. You see that contrast? If, I'm in, if a man in Christ is one who no longer lives for themselves, does that mean you don't have a struggle with it? Oh, man, it's a constant struggle, isn't it? It's a constant problem. The old man is still hanging around. And the old man says, I want to do what I want to do. But the new man of the one who is in Christ, Christ united with me, says, I'm here to please the one who enlisted me. And when Paul says this to Timothy, the next thing that he says to Timothy is, think over what I am saying. Think about this for a while. And that's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you this afternoon to think about it. I'm going to think about it this afternoon. You know, about, is my life revealing that I'm living to please him or does it reveal that I'm living to please myself? And then lastly, this contrast is no longer do we judge ourselves, but we are judged by Christ as to reward. We no longer judge ourselves. Now, we're good at judging, right? Let's admit it. And I'm better at judging other people, but I also judge myself. And Paul said, I can't trust my judgment. I can't trust my judgment. Uh, he, he reminded us here in 2 Corinthians 5, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Now, lest you think he's talking about works for salvation, there are two different judgments that he's referring to here in the Scripture. This is talking about the judgment for reward. This is what uh, 1 Corinthians 3 was talking about. Uh, 1 Corinthians 3, t uh, 10 and following. According to the grace of God given to me like a skilled master builder, I, Paul, laid a foundation and someone else is building on it. So let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now... If anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day, the day of judgment, will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. And if the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he 
will receive a reward. You know, I've got to remember, remember what it says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1? There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So we're not talking about for our salvation. But we're talking about working out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Knowing that it's God who is at work in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So the judgment that he's talking about, receiving reward here, is talking about our service to the Lord as Christians. We don't live for ourselves. We live for him. Therefore, I don't judge what I do because my judgment is not pure. His judgment is. And one day he's going to settle those accounts. And what I have done in Christ will remain and it'll be to the glory of Jesus Christ so uh, it's a small thing Paul said that I should be judged by you or by any human court in fact I don't judge myself or I'm not aware of anything against myself but I'm not thereby acquitted because it's the Lord who judges me therefore do not pronounce judgment before the time before the Lord comes who will bring to light the things now hidden in the darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart and then each one will receive commendation from God. So the encouragement is because you're in Christ, serve Christ, please Christ. Well, are you in Christ? I guess that's the question. Are you in Christ? Well, if you're not in Christ, there's another judgment. Romans uh, chapter 20, verse 11 says, I saw a great white throne. It's a different judgment, altogether different. God's people are not being judged. They're a part of the judgment that comes upon those without Christ. I saw a great white throne in him who was seated on it. And from his presence, earth and the sky fled away. There was no place found for them. In other words, there's no place to hide. I saw the dead, the great and small, standing before the throne. And the books were opened. Then another book was opened, which was the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And we're all judged, outside of Christ, guilty. In Christ, righteous. Outside of Christ, guilty, dead in our trespasses and sins. And so verse 14 says, And then, then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire, and this is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Now, I don't know that I believe that, do you? Well, that's what I had a man say the other day. He said, I can't believe that there's a lake of fire. I can't believe that, that God would somehow judge us and send anyone to hell because, I mean, what does it say about God? God, it's an emphatic statement. God is what? Love. But God is not only love, He is also holy. And God is also in His holiness righteous. And he must punish those who would go contrary to his will and his ways. 
But in Christ, the judgment was taken care of. But we must look not by sight, but by faith into the Lord Jesus Christ. So there is hope. There's hope to escape that judgment and to know that there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Because as the book of Revelation ends, verse, 20, uh, verse 17 of chapter 22 says, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come. Come. Let the one who hears say, Come. Let the one who is thirsty, Come. Let the one who desires to take of the water of life without price. And there's a call from Christ. That says, come, come. I want to ask you, are you in Christ? Here were just four contrasts. There's a whole bunch more of them, okay? We'll get to those in the next week or two. Here are these contrasts. And they kind of help reveal to us where our standing is in the Lord. Are you in Him? If you're in Him, He goes with you everywhere you go. And therefore you live not for the kings of this world, but for the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And you and I seek to please Him. And we are looking for His judgment on the works we have done as believers to test them by fire so that there will be good treasure left over. So that we can present it at the feet of the one that loved us so much that we love Him. And, and then we come to realize that... Uh, you know, in Christ Jesus, there is, uh, there's this pleasing the Lord in all that I do. And I want to ask you, are you in Him? If you're not in Him, the Spirit and the Bride say, come. If you are in Him, walk with Him. Know that He's the treasure. There's nothing more for you and I to gain. When you have Christ, you have it all. And you and I need walk by faith in him and so Lord we come hearing the truth of your word that anyone that is in Christ the old is gone the new has come and the new coming is it's here forever for the child of God the one that's in Jesus Christ and so Lord for we who are your blood-bought, born-again, called and sanctified and, and ultimately to be fully glorified before you, Lord. Our life is to be lived pleasing unto you. And so, Lord, our heart comes with repentance. Lord, it comes with a turning away from the many times this past week we have chosen, even as your children, to live for ourselves and Lord we come in confession of our sin and knowing that you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness but Lord help us not to be deceived by the things that we see and and Lord think that we have cleaned out the house and and yet Christ has not come in and the warning of your word is if if the house has been cleaned and yet it's not been filled with Christ, then what will follow will be seven times worse than what was before. 
Oh, may we be satisfied solely and only and completely with the Lord Jesus Christ, who out of His great love has lavished on us His love. And we have come to love Him because He first loved us and gave His Son as the payment price for our sin. And all who would call upon the name of the Lord, you said, would be saved. And then, Father, for those that may be hearing, whether in this building or on, online, have not confessed Christ as Lord and Savior, may they hear today the Spirit and the Bride say, Come, come and drink of this eternal water, which is Jesus Christ, and do it by faith. In His name we pray. Amen.